0: (laughs) we hope hey everyone thank you for taking the time to join in hey everyone thank you for taking the time to join in with uncommon women podcast a dope podcast to bring light to reality from real life people sharing real life stories with a host of women having real life talk the good and the bad with no judgment Uncommon Women's Loyalty is here to support those that need a safe space to speak their truth and rawness to the world. Tune in, relax, take notes, and let's vibe. Here are your hosts, Uncommon Women.
1: Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I am Jenny Lee. And today I am super excited about our guest speaker that's going to be joining us in just a moment. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, generational uh, curse breaking today. Uh, We have an amazing Regina um, Sloan today on our show. Uh, She's a mom, a nurse, a wife, uh, jack of all trades. She's definitely doing everything. So, you know, I'm super excited for her being on our platform today. She's going to share her uh, testimony and story in regards to being a gentle parent and how she's able to now um, assist and coach others in regards to life coaching about how to teach about uh, generational curse breaking and uh, gentle parenting. So thank you, of uh, Gina, for having the opportunity to come on our show. I'm super excited for uh, having you today.
2: Yeah, thank you both for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. So thanks. It's an honor. It's an honor.
1: Before we get into the good stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how was your life growing up?
2: Yeah, so um, you've kind of already hit everything on what I'm doing now. Uh, My childhood, I would say typically like most Black folks' childhood, right? Like my mom uh, worked really hard. She was a single mom for a long time. Um, It was four of us. She was stretched thin. She had her own trials that she was going through. I was the oldest. Um, And then my stepfather came in the picture right before my teenhood. So that was a transition. Uh, But really grateful that he was there, Uh, was a very good man. Um, So with that being said, um, I look at my childhood as... um, My mother did the best she could. My stepfather did as well. Lots of happy times. Um, We have a big family. So we spent, I remember a lot of us kind of spending time together. I mean, now we have like 50 something with my grandmother and like all her kids and their kids. Wow, that's
3: a big family. (laughs) Yeah,
2: so my grandmother had five kids and then it kind of trickled down um, and she's blessed to still be here to see her great grandchildren. So um, that's exciting um, because of, I think just like the as, a, as an, a woman now, I'd say if you asked me 10 years ago, I probably would have had probably more negativity to say about my childhood. But I feel like as women, mm-hmm. as we get older, and especially when we are working to, you know, strengthen the bond with our moms and with, you know, other women and people in our family, you can kind of move out of victimhood and into kind of seeing, you know, right. the situation from their story and their experience. Yeah. And as I do more and more of that, like my heart is really just, So grateful for all the things that my mom went through and the things that did not happen to me that could have, or like what she could have chosen to do because of her own trauma that she was dealing with. Um, so the older I get, the more in awe I am of how, what she was able to do. Um, But I look at I think uh, when we as we talk about like parenting today, um, I had a lot of things I was missing because my mother didn't know emotional support and all that. She didn't really get that. So there was no way, you know, we can only do what the tools, what we have. So I was looking for that for a long time and and especially in my teen teenagehood. And now that I have two teens, (laughs) I can definitely (laughs) appreciate like. And all yeah. that, back, right? <laughs> nope, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right. Like you talk all this stuff until you start having your own, and you like, wait, hold up. <laughs> like, nope, how nope, she it, oh, <laughs> yep, how did do this? Yep, it it
3: always goes that way, always. <laughs> yeah,
2: like she was on vacation with us last week, and like she helped me so much to just like center myself and because Um, these teens be teening, So yes, um, (laughs) seriously, I can only imagine what she was going through. And I was the oldest. So you know, like, we're literally the test child. And Mm -hmm. she, you know, there was power struggles, there's all kinds of things. And I've always been just real bullheaded. And I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. And in all of that. So I found myself, you know, in my mind thinking, Um, I was going to get what I wanted, looking for love and all the different places. And um, I met uh, my son's father. I was 15 when I was pregnant with my son. Um, And contrary to most people, uh, most teen pregnancies are accidents. Mine was not. It was on purpose um, in my mind. This is what I wanted. This is what I needed. I was going to have my own family. Mm -hmm. And of course, it didn't go that the way that I thought it would. Um, But that's how I ended up pregnant at 15. Um, I had him at 16 and. That was my childhood. Mm.
3: So what can you speak on um, some difficult obstacles you faced as being a teen mom? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So for me, when I decided when we had that conversation, my partner and I at that time, um, I didn't think of, of course, I was thinking with my 15 year old brain. So it wasn't even really common Mm -hmm. sense anyway. But I. Thought it would be one way and I didn't really think about the responsibility of having an entire human being and it being my responsibility. I just thought all the fun things and, you know, the cute baby and we'll have a cute family and those kinds of things. So yeah. when I I experienced a lot of loneliness being a teen mom in my pregnancy, mm-hmm. because, of course, my partner was mm-hmm. also a teen. And so okay. um I think a lot about that experience of being in high school, of being the only one pregnant, obviously it's obvious. Right. And going through things like being passed by, by my partner, you know, and like, he didn't know me, like the things we do, right. When we're young, he had no idea, yeah. mm-hmm. but of course that was a traumatic experience because I wasn't expecting that. Um, Had him, and then again, like, oh, this is a whole child. I'm gonna be up all night. There's, you know, all the things that it goes with. Don't talk about being a parent. That's that's right. No, so (laughs) being 16 and not being able to. (laughs) And my mom was a type, I know there's many different types of moms, you know, when your child has a child young, but my mom was a type, she was there for me the entire time as far as if I needed a sitter, if I, you know, was going to go work and things like that. But she definitely wasn't the mom that was going to be babysitting for me to run the streets to be out doing what 16 year olds Mm. want to do. So, yeah, I missed a lot of that. Um, I basically, the rest of my high school years were going to school all day, um, going to work after that. He was at a daycare like two minutes from my school. So I'll pick him up, go home, feed him, chill a little bit and then head to work. And that was, you know, my life for the most part. Um, Had a little fun here and there, but the obstacles were that I just didn't experience teenagehood. I just, it was, I didn't, I guess I could have, I didn't have the some people have the mindset of, you know, at 15, 16, you can understand being like, oh, I'm out of here, you know, and yeah. mom picking up the slack. And I think she would have had I had that personality. But um, I think when I was pregnant and I know she was disappointed, we had that conversation. Well, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm going to finish high school and I'm going to take care of my baby. And it was more of like proving a point, you know, and, and just yeah. ensuring. But that meant that I missed a lot of, you know, um, what most teens experience, you know, and, and even college as well.
1: Okay. So do you believe that, you know, your mom was obviously she was disappointed um, in the situation. But once the baby came here, do you believe that she was very supportive? And how was um, the father's family in that aspect of being supportive with both of you guys being teams as well?
2: Yeah. So um, it's funny because me and my mom have talked about this and she was like so scared. Like she talks about it now. She didn't tell me this then, but she just didn't know what was going to happen, of course. And of course, embarrassment. Right. Like I was Mm -hmm. the first one in my family to have a baby as a teen in in my intermediate family. And so embarrassment, families talking, you know, I've had instances where certain family members that I used to hang with couldn't hang with me anymore because that might brush off on them and they didn't want their daughters, you
0: know,
1: so. she fast and all that. Right. You know how mm-hmm. that goes. Right? Yes. She
2: fast. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be around that. Like right. all of that experience. Um, so she was really, really scared. I think she was really hard on me. That's how I saw it. Um, okay. but as we talk now as adults, she talks about that, but she also lights up and I remember like actually seeing the energy shift, like even when I had him in the hospital, like she was just so excited. So happy. So, I mean, she talks about him being, like, the best thing that ever happened to her. Um, And she's had friends who have had children young, and she expresses that to them. Like, you wait until their baby's here. You won't care anything about that, you know? So, um, 100% supportive. My mother, I didn't move out of my mom's house till I was 22, I think. And that was because I just, at that time, I had two children. I was like, you know what? I need my own place. I, You know, I kind of just want to do my own thing. But she never, like talked to me about leaving. She never asked me for anything. Um, I was going to school. So, I mean, I was doing things. I was working. I was going to school. And to her, like, she just provided me that space. So food, housing, babysitter, like helped me whenever, like her and my stepdad, like they were hundred um, percent supportive. And I find that some people are afraid to do that because then it kind of can give the message. We get that thought that, well, if I'm supportive and if I'm not, you know, really hard on them and they may go do it again. And, right. you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm -hmm, Um, I can't say that that wouldn't happen, but for me, it didn't. I didn't feel that way. Like, oh, let me take advantage. I also never wanted to take advantage of them. Um, So they were really supportive in whatever way I needed. And as far as um, his dad's family, they were supportive as far as it's just different. Like when you're, when you're like my mom was more supportive, but I feel like you're the 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 mom's family usually is more supportive than yeah. anyway right right was, yeah mm-hmm. in my experience and um, definitely it was uneven like he like his family never came and picked him up and things like that I was definitely single parenting um, mm-hmm. his dad did the best he could with the tools he had and what he experienced mm-hmm. you know he also had you know family members speaking to him about. He would get him like um, every weekend for a long time and you shouldn't do that that would allow her to run the street and do whatever she wants and so he had that kind of energy as well you know over there mm-hmm. um, so I say he did the best he could with that and there was lots of craziness um, my Otis is he's getting ready to be 18 so it's been okay. years since I've had to really deal with that but they it wasn't the same but I'm assuming they did the best they could as well
1: okay. well that's good that you were able to actually use you know your situation as motivation instead of a crutch and, you know, being codependent on your parents, because a lot of people, not all, but a lot of teens, you know, they they expect the parents or the grandparents to raise the child and that, you know, it's something that happened that they don't have to take full responsibility. So I, I like that you were able to be accountable and actually use that as motivation. Okay. Um, but speaking on that, Uh, Can you share how you got into gentle parenting? Like, did you experience something in your childhood where it was a little dysfunctional? Like, you know, in our culture, we do a lot of beating. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I talk about abuse, guys. but (laughs) (laughs) In our culture, we talk a lot. We do a lot of beating and, you know, yelling and, you know, downplaying and things like that. How did you transition into wanting to teach about gentle parenting? Was it something that you experienced in your childhood that you didn't receive?
2: Yeah. So what you talk about in our black culture and, and brown culture, like absolutely. I experienced all of that. Um, the traditional parenting is what people would call it now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely experienced all of that. And I was that type of mom until um, I've been I've always been a little different than my family. I've always been um some might say, oh, she's whitewashed, or, you know, like she get less than get away, whatever, or, you know, things like that. So I've not always been the same. But I did with my kids, uh use punishment, shame, blame, all of that until mm-hmm. um I think my oldest was, he was getting into preteen years, 12, 13, maybe, where I started to feel like, man, this relationship just isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. And up until then, every time I walked to him, I didn't feel right about it. Like I felt like this is what I had to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. I just need to do it because if I don't, he's going to be XYZ, like that fear-based parenting that we're taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did that, um, but I started to just see a shift in our relationship and that caused me to really question things. Um, and I remember us talking about it in I've always tried to keep open communication, but really just hearing him talk about how, oh, you're always mean or you're always yelling and like that being the thought that he had about me and me knowing like the kind of relationship that I want to have with my children and, and obviously wanting to be open. There was a lot of things I didn't get that I wanted to make sure they got. Um, I started to do some research like, and I discovered like, whoa, there are black people who don't hit their kids. What, what is this? And so I went down a rabbit hole, joined a like, five or six different conscious parenting groups that were just for black people. Um, I can laugh about it now, but at one point, like they knew me by name because I would like go in a group every day, like, okay, this happened. What should I do? This is what I'm thinking, like every mm-hmm. single day. And that was really hard transitioning because my mind still was in belief of how, mm-hmm. yeah, it was still very <laughs> traditional. Yeah. It was Like that cognitive dissonance where it's like, you, I believe this and you should get this, but then also maybe not. And also... What will that do? Like me hitting you, me punishing you, like. And I think about like my relationship with my mom and most people I know, like we code switch so much, like we don't mm-hmm. really have like that deep, really you know heartfelt relationship with our our parents. We kind of like, oh, they're my parents and I respect them, but like, what would it be surface. to right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, what would it be
2: like to just be yourself and have conversations and go against the grain? Um, and by way of that, like, I, I really feel like when you want to change something, when you're searching for something like what you need comes to you. And uh, there was a woman that would constantly help me on my posts and different pages. And um, I really didn't like her at first because she was very much like telling me what I needed to hear. You know, I was looking I was looking for someone to tell these kids are crazy and they you know, you're right and they're wrong and she wouldn't do that. Um, but eventually we started talking and I'm like, hey, can I pay you for this help? Because she would help me a lot. And, and just on Facebook Messenger, I would like tell her, hey, this is what happened today. And she would just really be in alignment and really help me and just was really for the kids. And I'm like, man, I need this. So I actually became her first client. She's now a very well-known conscious parenting coach in in the space of you know black people trying to change how they do parenting. Um, and and we've been, that was two, maybe three years ago, almost now. And we just had a call the other day with me and my team. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I stumbled upon mm-hmm. it. And I'm still doing my thing, working on it.
3: That's,
1: that's
2: great.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, change, ahead, I think when it comes to transitioning over to doing something different, it takes time and patience. And I love that you've taken time to do that. You know, mm-hmm. as me, as having my own adult young children, I had to make change. I, you know, we don't want the same relationships we have with our own parents because it's just, I, I consider it just like traumatic and just toxic in a way, mm-hmm. because we grew up in that. And that, I, like you said, it's like Shannon said, it's not abuse, but it's just something that they were taught. You know, they were mm-hmm. taught, raised the same. They were raised for generations a certain way. And then we come along and be the type of parent, like, we don't want that. So, you know, and now that, you know, my kids are older now, like I have an amazing relationship with them and I always said them to them, like, yes, I was probably, I did the same thing you did, but as they got older, I'm like, they're getting older. I need to change things around. And I love that you took that into accountability and able to see that, you know, like, ah, this isn't feeling right no more. So, so I'm glad you did that because girl, once they get older, it, you can you game. It's a <laughs> yes level, level game. you get when it's it, and then you get to the point when your son's gonna be 18 you're gonna start adulting with him so it's more like you're able to still adult but still parent him at the same time and still guide him in that way and still support him but it's a little different after you start adulting with them so and I'd be real you just it's just more about just being communication just being honest.
2: Yeah. Um, that reminds me of, uh, so Stacy Patton, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but, um, she is a black author. She does a lot of things. I don't know if, I don't know if she's a psychologist or what she has a lot of different titles, but she has a book about like hitting kids and where they came from. Mm -hmm. And, um, I did, I started researching through that really understanding like, wow, we did this because that's what was done for us. Like we're only a couple Mm -hmm. of generations removed from slavery. And Mm so, um, Mm -hmm. what, What we had to do back then to survive Right like you had to downplay your kids You had to beat them into submission Because Mm -hmm. you didn't want bad things to happen to them there's a lot of things that we do in our culture now that we don't have to do anymore. We're not in that survival mode anymore, but we just do it by way of habit. And that's what we saw. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just becoming aware of like, what am I doing? What does that mean? And questioning that and not just doing it just because it's what it's always been done. So I remember she had like this campaign going where you would like print out the certificate and you mark you, the date and everything. And like, I, you know, say, I'm not going to, whatever it was like, officially, like, I'm not going to hit my children from this day forward. And it was like corny, but I printed it off. I like told mm-hmm. my kids at the time, like, what? And they thought it was super weird. But I mean, since then I've really committed to that. And I think I also have the ability um to see how it is raising kids without that kind of uh, parenting because my I have two sets of kids. My oldest is they're 17 and 13. And then I have a five and three year old who've never been hit. And I can see the difference. I can see mm. even and not just like hitting them. Like we go to that when we think about traditional parenting. But there's so much more than that. When you look up childism and what that means of treating children like property and not like they're human beings and not allowing right. children to have the emotions like we yeah. are so triggered when our kids have emotions and when they speak out on how they feel and all of that. And and most of my experience, like you weren't allowed to do that. Like that was disrespectful. Right. Yeah, you know, those kinds of.
1: But I say goes, I'm the adult, you're the yep, child, honey. and that's that. Yep. <laughs> that's
2: that. Yep. Yeah. So most of us experience that. So of course, that's what we do unless we do the work to change that. And we like hearing my five-year-old like really tell me how she feels about something being able to my them to have fits and when she was little and toddler age and being able to really like just Emotionally manage myself. I find that that the main difference between traditional parenting and when you're moving into really conscious parenting, gentle parenting, you know, whatever you want to call it, intentional parenting, is being able to manage your own emotions in the moment because that's what it is when your teen is uh, that's talking that's- crazy to you, you know, when your two year olds yeah. throwing a fit at the store and you feeling like everybody's looking at you and you know your kids are refusing to do certain things like that's what happens. You get triggered. Like, hold on. I'm the adult. I have power over. Who are you? You do what I say, those kinds of things. So working through that, I can see the benefits in my younger two and how vastly different they are than when my older two were younger.
1: Okay. Hmm. So let's get into that. Now that you explained that you have, you know, four kids and a transition in regards to the parenting, do you feel as though now that you started gentle parenting? Well, let's speak on that. People typically say that, the parents that do the gentle parenting, they're pushovers.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: can you speak on um, maybe some some things or some myths that people talk about when it, in in regards to gentle parenting? That's that's not true. Doesn't make, necessarily make you a pushover, but more of a guidance way of how you're building about a better relationship with your ch- children.
2: Yeah. So I'll first say that it definitely there is a different, definite um aspect of that where parents do become pushovers because and that's more of your passive parenting. Because, like, for example, when I move from hitting my kids, having full control over them, you know, making sure they do what I say, those kinds of things. And I say, Well, I'm not going to use those tools anymore. If you've not done the work, if you have no idea what this looks like, you have nobody in your circle doing this, you don't know what to do. So oftentimes we go to the opposite end where we don't do anything, where we just allow it to be. And and I found myself in that space here and there because I don't want to hit them. I don't want to yell. I don't want to do the things that I know I can do, but I don't have any other tools. And so that's where me getting the help that I needed helped me to see like Okay, well, what is it when they say something I don't like? Like, okay, if I'm not hitting them, then what do I do if I'm not? You know, so that's a very real thing. And it does happen and people aren't careful. But if you are conscious parenting, gentle parenting, if you're if you're following this, it doesn't the myth around it that that means you're a pushover is very much just people's fears of what happened, like what will happen if I don't have this control over this child? What will you know, what would they do? What would they they grow up to be like all these things is, again, really surfaced in fear based. But when you move into this parenting, you really have to kind of just flip everything on its head of what you believe about kids. You know, one being that they have to be hit in order to learn, to be respectful, that you have to do something to them in order for them to be respectful. Whereas like human beings are when you see a baby and, and, and they grow up, like we're naturally kind, loving people. We have emotions. We have things, of course we're not perfect. We have, we hurt people. We say the wrong thing, those kinds of things, but you don't have to be hit in order to be respectful and kind that behavior just needs to be modeled for you and really contrary to what he will believe. It's so funny because like my five-year-old, I can say to her or, you know, my three-year-old who, every now and again, she'll try to hit or something like that, because that's the state she's in. I can say to her and say, Hey, we don't hit that hurts. You know, whereas my older two, when I said that there was full on confusion because wait, you hit me. So what do you mean? I don't hit, you know, like you hit me. So I'm hitting, so they're like modeling that behavior in that space. So it's all about modeling the behavior that we want. And that's what they'll see. Um, Also the other myth about that is that there's no boundaries. And I think that for example, if I'm talking to my teens, that comes up a lot because teens are, you know, like we said, they are different. And when they yeah, don't fear you,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> when they don't fear you, they're even more different. They, right? You know what <laughs> me? Like they even more like get disrespectful. Like that happens. Like our thought that, oh, OK, I'm going to conscious parent and they're going to be good kids or, you know, do the right thing. Like, no, it's not about that. It's not about treating your children a certain way in order for them to be a certain way, you know, is you being you and modeling the behavior that you want them to have and understanding that they don't have developed brains, their brain, they, they have impulse control issues, like all the things. So, this comes back to us knowing the science. Like a lot of us are raising kids, myself included, and don't know anything about brain development at three, four, five. Like I was just raising kids and not even thinking about that. You know, kids falling out in the store three and four. But if you know, oh, until four or five, they don't even use a logical side of their brain. They only have their emotions. So of course they're falling out because they can't get this and that. Um, if we understood those main things and we would see things as more normal than not. Um, so the myths about, being pushovers and all that, that is a thing. It doesn't have to be your thing if you decide to really treat your children as human beings. It just really, you, like, what does that mean for you? So for me, my daughter, if she, like, she, I can get, first of all, let's talk about, like, how we are. Like, I will get irritated about my daughter but she's really just a split image of me because I could be witty I, snap, yeah, right. I can snap you know what I mean <laughs> <Yep. And> like <laughs> she just gives me my energy back and I don't like that that's really what happens <laughs> It's really what happens. So um for me, like if she's saying something I don't like, like, okay, we're gonna leave this conversation here, girl, because you ain't gonna talk to me like that. And I'm a cause you we can't argue with one person. You're gonna argue with right. yourself. So, you know, I definitely I have my boundaries. Um, they don't speak to me a certain way. If they choose, they can choose to, but I can choose to not participate in that. So in those kinds of ways, um, even with smaller children, like my no is my no. And I'm sticking with that and they can have their fits and that's totally fine. So um, I think that it just boils down to people not understanding because most people who say that, they're still traditional parents so they see things in that lens right that kids need to be hit in order to act right in order to be respectful it's they need business, to be controlled right, right. So if you're looking at it from that lens then of course when i tell you that no i have conversations with my kids yeah they do get disrespectful because they're kids and i handle that when it happens you don't understand that you know so
1: hmm you brought up a good point i do have a question from the audience and I do not want to butcher butcher her name, so I'm just gonna ask the question. Mm. Uh, she says, "Were you and your husband on the same page with transitioning to conscious parenting?"
2: <laughs> no, <and> no. <laughs> laughs. That's, that's a no. You know, what <laughs> you know, man, that's a no, and. um So when I first decided, he thought I was crazy and he's like, well, you can do that, but I ain't doing that. That, you know, this is this. Yeah, that's fine for you. Um, And everybody has their own healing journey. So even now, we're not really he's not he understands it more than he did years ago he gets it and he gets it by way of seeing what happens because when i decide to trans to transition my relationship with my kids and he starts to see like whoa like they're coming to you and talking to you about these things they're open about it they're this and that and they're scared to come to you or they're scared to you know share something with you like that shows because like he wants their relationship too um and my, the, my conscious parenting coach who I was working with when we first started transitioning, there's one thing she said to me that I have really seen as true is that when you really transition to this, you don't just transition to the kids, you have to transition to being conscious to other people. So it's right. like me having that energy with him and understanding that he had the same experiences I've had. He's got the same traumas that he hasn't addressed, right? He had, he gets triggered just like I do. So I've had to it's been really difficult. It's probably been one of the most difficult things because when you are deciding to parent your kids differently, especially with someone that when y'all got together, that wasn't the agreement. Right. And so then you're kind of the only person in the house, like deciding to do things this way, you kind of feel alone and you want to be right. You want to, you want to like know you're doing it right. And they're not going to tell you you're doing it right. Cause they don't think you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, building the confidence in myself and taking it back to like why did I want to do this anyway and then what are my fears like that's really what it is like when we decide well I'm that's just too much we're just fearful of like what may happen if we treat children just like with equity you know just how we are um so with him it has definitely been a, a rough road however when you're with someone and they really love their children and they really want what's best for them um i've had to really emotionally regulate myself like when there's threats mm-hmm. being made or something and he hasn't done it right but it's like that's just his natural reaction and having those conversations later right because if we haven't dealt with our own emotional traumas and we're triggered in a moment we act just like kids like we that's click, right. we say mm-hmm. things right yep. we- And later we can have that conversation Like man when you said that earlier what was coming up For you did it serve you like And just with full you know transparency Consciously dealing with him And by modeling and leading The way so it's definitely a not on one accord, and I know a lot of women who also. I feel like it's usually that, like the husband's like, "No way, no, we <laughs> 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 these kids are not about to be tyrannies in my house, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know." And it's just about about for me in my house, like having patience and really when when I was coached on that with her several times, I saw that wow, this is interesting. I want to consciously parent my children, but I'm being a straight B towards him. I'm not mm-hmm. conscious at all towards him. I'm like you you don't you this is better, and you should do that. you know what I mean I'm not the the energy just switches, and it's like, well, what does that mean? Like when you consciously parent you just consciously being with everyone and just it really is just treating people as human beings and, and meeting them where they are. So I've had to do my own work on that hmm. Okay.
1: Hmm. So let's get into a little bit on that topic. Can you give us some examples to maybe help? You know, people that may want to transition. We don't want to give all the nuggets because that's what they got to come to you for. But- <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you give us um, a little bit examples in regards to um, some things that you you've learned or teach taught differently with your um, children when it comes to you know traditional versus gentle parenting.
2: Yeah, and I first want to speak on that too, like. Anything I'm saying and anything I share, like I can give every nugget and you can read all about it. and You can go find all the answers. The problem is not really in finding what to do or how to do it. It's it's really in the application. Right. Because right. how to handle the situation yeah, yep. on the, on yep. the everyday <laughs> basis. Like that's yep. where coaching comes in at right. because, you know, every week. You're like, OK, this happened. This is where I struggled and kind of building upon your skills. So um, definitely we're willing to share everything I know. Um, and, and some people, it may help them to really do the thing and transition. So you asked for examples on, um, how I have transitioned. hmm Or, or
1: maybe just some gentle parent transitions. Like, you know, I'm, I have a teenager and like you said, teens be teening for real. So <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. Um, maybe t- he's testing my <laughs> kids, you know, yep, I do to try to, you know, sometimes <laughs> yes. I, I sometimes I yell and say what I got to say, but then I'll come back and I will apologize and I'll be like, okay, well, this is what we need to talk about. And yes. we'll, we'll speak on a situation and it, it gives him, you know, a safe space to have a conversation. But can you give us examples of something that you may do in your household versus mm-hmm. parenting?
2: Yeah, I think you brought up one really like I think if we could do nothing else that most parents struggle with is apologizing. Um, Because in order to apologize, you first have to be aware that you're wrong, that you did the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk to a lot of moms that are like, yeah, that's a little tough one for me. And it's really about what we make it mean when we apologize, because we have been conditioned, you know, that you can't be wrong if you're the parent. You know, if you're wrong, then you're not doing it right. So when you come at it from an aspect of, listen, we're doing this life together and I'm going to be wrong. Like, I'm not even trying to be right all the time. I'm letting you know, like, I'm going to make mistakes. That's just who I am. You're going to make mistakes. And it kind of takes it off the table where as we have us, you create a safe space. It's another thing, like creating a safe space for them to just be. And then they give you that grace. Like, kids are just so forgiving. I mean, I can just go on and on about examples of how my kids have, excuse me, forgive. Given me over all the years, and they will continue to do so um, because I will never be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. So I think having the awareness, having the awareness of like what's going on around you, um, some of the deeper and most more harder things to do is in the moment when you're triggered to really stop the pause. Like they talk about a lot of that in, in conscious parenting where. When you're triggered, when you want to yell, when you want to scream, when you want to hit, like that's how you know that you're triggered, your emotions are off balance. Pausing is one of the best things that you can do because... When we learn to process emotions and, 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 and feel those in our body, they go away with time. And there's a lot of things. Some people pause. Some people walk away. Some people go wash their hands, drink some water. Like that really does work in helping you to kind of center yourself back to where you are. And I like to think of one, one question that was posed to me that I like to think of is how 10 minutes from now, how will I want to have said I reacted?
0: How mm-hmm. will I
2: want to have said I responded? Mm-hmm when you think of it like that you can kind of take yourself you know out of the moment with them um apart from that I think having conversations is something that we don't really do a lot in our culture especially as they get older like just general conversation like hey you know that came up for you what were you thinking about that um apologizing like I said I just had this instant uh with my daughter too so she's been having some trouble you know this social media is a is a hard thing and, and we're the first generation raising kids that ready? have it. Right. Right. <laughs> so we don't know what we're doing. We none of us do. Yeah. We don't know what's right. Give them social media, let them get on, they'll be fine. Take it all, never let them get it. Like you could just, right. you just find the research everywhere. So we're just doing the best we can. And as we're navigating that with my 13-year-old. Um, there's been things that come, that come up and I'm like, okay, well, we need to take the phone because it's not safe. And then it's like, well, that's kind of punishment. So a lot of things like me, I'm trying to navigate as well, but because of that, like there's been a lot of attitudes, a lot of things happening in the house. And, um, I had to have, that's why I had the call with our coach, just like helping me to work through that. And it's powerful when someone else can just hold space and she's allowed to say what she wants. You can say what you want. And what I learned from that, that I've tried since then that she's told me over and over that really does work with teens is this this space of like jokingly bringing it up so like my daughter as I said she can be a little snippy she might I'm like the other day I'm like hey can you close the refrigerator because that's a huge pet peeve of mine like you cooking whole refrigerator open what's happening can you please close the refrigerator <laughs> or you close it and and that mom like oh, hold up who are you talking to like you sure in the hell ain't talking to me you know what I mean like I can just right. go there <laughs> But really it's funny because every time those kinds of things happen and I'm like, ooh, you a little sippy today. You all right? You need a hug? You need a, you know, and just like yeah, joking, yeah, like she me. just, it just brings that energy down. And another really powerful thing, especially with teens, I know a lot of there's a lot of things on how to treat your two and three year old and all that, but like these teens is just really, really hard. And I feel like we can't have enough resources is allowing them to be wrong. Um, And what I mean by that, and I've done it time and time again after I have learned it, and it really works, and I'm able to do this, is when they do something wrong and you don't match that energy, you model the behavior that you want them to have because – you remember, you're remembering that they don't have a fully developed brain. Um, science actually shows right. that especially when when they're emotionally regu- irregulated, their brains are just like two and three-year-olds. So they have tantrums. It just looks a little different. And so when you can think of that and remember that in the moment, you can model the behavior because that's our job as parents. Like we want them to be, Respectful. We want them to be able to say how they feel in a respectful way, all these things, but they don't learn none of that unless they see it on a regular basis. Right. So, we're reminding ourselves that we model the behavior. So, I've had this happen time and time again where they may snap at me or they may come at me a certain way. And when I take the higher road, okay. I may say, hey, that's how you're talking to me right now. It's not cool. I don't appreciate it, you know, or something like that. Or I understand that you can't chill right now, so I'm going to model of the behavior for you, you know, but they know that I don't like it. Remember, there's no passive parenting going on here, permissive parenting going on. And so- when I do that, they only can focus on what they did versus if I'm like, who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. And I'm, you know, giving that energy back. Now they're focused on me being wrong. Now they right. now their defenses are up. But I've seen it time and time again when I'm just like chill. Like the other day, example, my son, I came into his room. He was on the floor with my, my daughter and he didn't hear me come in. And he's like, why are you sneaking in my room? Boy, am I sneaking in your room? I walked in here. You just happen to not hear me. And he's like, "See that you are so annoying. That's why nobody wants you around." And that hurt my feelings. It really did. I'm like, Mm. "Okay, that hurt. I don't know what's wrong with you, but that that wasn't called for." And I, you know, let it be. I walked out because I knew that anything after that was probably not going to be efficient. And he came the next morning. He was like, "I'm sorry for saying that to you. That wasn't right." If I had have went off, like, who are you talking to? You know, da, 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 da. He, he would have been focused on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So really just providing that space. Um, I think that it's helpful for them. And then to know that they can, they can, they'll always get forgiveness, right? Like they, they want, they yeah. want to respect us and love us and be here for us. And we can think about times when we were young, you know, in teens, it's just hard. It was hard being a teen. Um, it's hard raising teens. And I, I really urge everybody, like for me. I don't have an inner circle in my family. Like I'm the only one in my family really doing this work. So I had to create my village. I had to create people that didn't think it was crazy that I'm having a conversation Mm -hmm. with my child and not hitting them.
3: I love that. And I think it is important, like you said, to have these conversations. That's how we, that's how you get close. That's how you become, you get bonded. You know, you have that relationship. Like I had said a little bit earlier you know, especially as they get older. And that's what you want. You want to yeah. be bonded with your kids for life, you know, and yeah. be able to like, hey, mom, you know, like you know, he's getting married, you know, and be able to like, mom, you know, I'm about to get married. Can you give me this advice? You know, because you're a woman, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's important. And yeah. that most of our kids don't, you know, we don't do that. You know, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't go to my mom for advice, you know, because she wasn't the great, you know, the greatest person to go to for any type of, you know, advice when it comes to men, you know, so, you know, thankful that, you know, I can, you know, have that with my daughter where she can come to me for any type of advice and be like, you know, I can guide her along the way, you know, and
2: yeah, just having it. I'm sorry.
3: No, it's okay. At least we can do that, you know, And and we can keep passing that on.
2: I think it's so important to what you're talking about is like really having a, that safety net and that safe space mm-hmm. for them to come to because yeah. how many of us like my mom didn't even really the words didn't come out or anything of me having sex until mm-hmm. she found out I was pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. like, how many of our kids are they're experiencing even more than than what we did with social right. media and all our that. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you don't create the safe space from the time they're young and, and whenever, even if your kid is 15 now and you've been doing it a certain way and you're like, hey, I want to change. Like you could literally decide right now that things are going to be different, because I remember actually when he was like I said, he was about 13, almost 13, 12 or 13. I really was like, man, I've, I've messed up all this time. Like, what's the point? And I remember mm-hmm. a friend like saying, girl. First of all, he's gonna be with you till he's seventeen eighteen anyway, right, or even beyond, and then you have the mm-hmm. whole he doesn't stop being your child. it just navigates into something nice. else yep. And the other other pieces they my older two get to see how you should treat children when they watch my older, my younger kids being raised a different way. And we have those conversations like, yeah, I did not do this with y'all. And here's why. Like we have those open conversations about like what it was Mm -hmm. like when they were young. Why is it like that for them? And they're going to be amazing parents, uncles, whatever, because of it, because they see that. So, you know, creating that safe space, you want your child to be like, Hey, listen, this is what's going on with my friend. This is what's going on at school. And I had to really push past that because, I'm not I wasn't the type that really wanted heavy conversation. Like I'm just want to be alone, do my thing, you know, my daughter was a talker and like mom guess what happened at school today and we just going on and <laughs> on, on, on and like to me it didn't matter but to her that was like super big, big mm-hmm. yep. yeah it was like a big deal to her and so even though small instances like you think it doesn't matter but it does so that when mm-hmm. something big happens they can be honest and they can come to you and let you know or if they're thinking about having sex like that's a whole nother podcast like my son right. is 17 he has sex we talk about it he goes over his girlfriend's house like we have a open conversation if something doesn't sit right with me I talk about it and the other no. part you have to expect mm-hmm. when you're raising conscious kids is they're going to be conscious with you. So when you're talking mm-hmm. about something and I don't think I don't
3: ever I don't ever think we as parents are ever ready for things <laughs> with the things that our kids tell us or you know they want us ready we'd never be ready You're, we're yes. never ready I, I have a 22 year old son so I'm never ready I just be like okay so you want to talk about this you know and I love that again we can have I can have that safe space with him where he can come talk to me about anything or he'll be like you know mom like but it's just the way he approaches it like, approach you know, you. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like you know I, you might feel a little uncomfortable, but I really want to yeah. talk to you about this, you know, and and that's what I want him to come talk to me, even though I might feel weirded out about it. But I think that's important that they're still taking initiative to be able to still come to you like, mom, you know, might feel a little uncomfortable, but I really want to talk to you about this because this is important to me. You know what I mean? And creating, once again, mm-hmm. that safe place where he's able to tell you, even though at first you may feel uncomfortable because I know we all parents do. But it, and I love that. We're able to do that because I want my kids to continue to do that even as they get older. And even when I, even as our kids get older, have families of their own, and have, you know, children of their own, we want them to keep on doing that so that they can also be able to do that with their own kids. Yes. Right. It yes. definitely
1: changes the narrative. I agree with that because, you know, once they see that, like she has the four kids, but once we once they see the change in us, how we're changing mm-hmm. and gentle parenting with them, that would be able to create that narrative for their children. And not only children, but relationships, you know, healthy relationships, yes. relationships mm-hmm. and, and boyfriend and girlfriend. So it definitely changes the narrative and different perspectives of being, being able to, you know, tap into your emotional side because we live in a society where men can't only can only be masculine, mm-hmm. but it's good for them to be able to talk about their emotions and express themselves without being called, you know, zesty or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know what, I'm glad you brought that up too because like my husband, he had tea. he he had wronged my daughter, my 13 year old, and he came to her on his own, you know, later that day, like, listen, this is what's hard for me when I was young, blah, blah, blah. Like they had, I don't even know what the conversation was about, my daughter just told right. me, but that's what shows up when you, me, model the behavior in the household and we normalize, mm-hmm. like, listen, it makes sense why this is hard for you because of X, Y, Z. But I think anybody considering this, like transitioning and feeling if you feel uneasy in your body about anything you're doing, and it doesn't make sense, like something is up. And also, I'd urge people to really think about like, what is our job? for our children like we want to raise children that are able to have healthy communication when we talk about like oh i want my daughter to be able to speak up for herself and speak up for her needs and you know uh stand up for herself or my son to have those uncomfortable conversations or be assertive and all that that never comes by hitting your child and dumbing down or powering down their feelings their emotions like you you know, it just doesn't, the switch doesn't turn off or on when they get older. Like, oh, now I can speak up for myself because I'm 18. Like, you have to, like, start that. And that's why we have us, most of us are, like, have been in therapy or doing the work or we're afraid to, like, do things and be judged and feel rejected. And we don't, we don't want, we're people pleasing. Like, all of these things don't mm-hmm. come from nowhere. They come from how we were raised in our homes. Mm. You brought up a good
1: point on how you were raised in your home. What we're going to do now, we're actually going to hit a quick commercial, and then we're going to go into, you know, where your motivation comes from since you were brought up into um, a different background in your home. So, mm-hmm. moment. Have you recently started a business? Maybe looking to get more exposure? Are you interested in taking your business to the next level? Let Uncommon Women Podcasts further assist you with our business and brand promoting packages. For more information, please email us at uncommonwomenpodcast.com or reach us directly on one of our social media platforms so we can further assist you. And always remember, stay uncommon. Thank you so much, Regina. So let's go into that. What, where does your motivation come from? Where did that actually come from when you wanted to transition to um, gentle parenting versus the traditional one?
2: Um, It came from uh, me just really being intentional with the um, kind of relationship I wanted to have with my kids. And um, thinking longevity wise, like I have a lot of years with these kids and then when they're out on their own, I have even more years. Um, And then really just, putting two and two together with the things that I struggle with and kind of uh, tracing that back to childhood. So I think that we have, especially as women, we have such powerful places in our children's lives because we get to help them create that inner voice. Um, I would love for my kids to do what they love in life and not what, you know, other people think they should do. I would right. love for them to be able to have difficult conversations. And I would love for them to be hurt or angry, upset, no more than you know, I would love for them to know more than the two or three emotions that we all know, right. And all of these things, um, and just really be happy, healthy human beings. And I just don't, when I was doing the work and I was looking at what was happening in my household with my, at that time, two children, um, I didn't see that happening. I saw them being easily controlled. I saw them um, operating out of fear on so many different levels. I saw them having not knowing what their voice was because it had been shut down for so many years. Um, and I just think of them as adults and, and that not serving them. So um, I, I guess taking my responsibility really seriously, you know, in the kind of human beings they turn out to be.
3: Okay. I love that. Hmm. So, with you being a life coach and also being a mom and being a po- having your own podcast, can you speak on your business and what you are doing now for the community?
2: Yeah, so uh, my podcast is Moms to Achieve, and I started it really to give nuggets like this on personal development, whether it be parenting, business, um, us understanding how our brains work and and why we operate in fear and, and what it means to move past and um, be able to sit through negative emotions and, and how they can show up in all different faucets and um, how many of us are not really pushing ourselves past the limit um, for fear of a lot of different things. So I speak about that um, on the podcast and I wanted to do that for, for the community because not everyone um, is in a space uh, financially, mentally, emotionally to hire a life coach. And so mm-hmm. that's the way that I provide that um, in my life coaching business. I work with women specifically um, and on all the things we have so many things as moms, um, we are parenting. We are trying to build business. We are trying to work and not be burnt out. We're trying to, you know, be able to leave work at at, at work I have been a nurse for 10 years. So I see all the time, like the burnout and the overwhelm mm-hmm. and people just um, helping people to really realize that our thoughts are what cause a lot of um, our results or what cause our results and helping them to. Um, really be able to identify, like, what are your thoughts? Why? Why do you have the results you have now? What do you want? And really seeing past what they think is possible um, over the years, especially as adults and moms, especially we can put ourselves aside. But um, I see the power in all women that I talk to. And so when I'm working with my clients, it's all about, you know, what's possible for them and helping them to overcome that um those negative emotions that come up in our brain our brain is wired to be a certain way and if we don't know Mm -hmm. that then we're unable to push past that so
3: Mm, that is so good i love
2: it i
3: love it thank you you. so um jenna do we have any more comments or from the viewer we already answered the questions so we're good to go okay um, thank you again, Regina. It's been such a great honor in having you come on our platform and speaking on, you know, being the first generational breaker in your family and how you're able to uh, advise women and men, you know, on gentle parenting. And we have one question we ask all our guest speakers. Uh, what makes you uncommon?
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um what makes me uncommon is actually that this is gonna kind of sound the opposite but for me is that I think I realize that most people don't that at the heart of it all we are all the same honestly we're dealing with the same things you're you know we may look different be in different places have different circumstances but um at the heart of it all of us are, you know, kind, loving people at the heart of us. And we want to be happy. We want to help people. We want to serve. So we are more common than we think. Mm. That's dope. I love it. So she switched it on us.
3: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we have our little faucets where we stand right. out and all that, you know, but I think but the reason why I was talking to my daughter about this earlier, actually, I think the reason why it's important is because. Many of us are like so busy trying to, you know, stand out and or act like we don't have the problems that we all have. Mm-hmm. And the more honest we can be and the more we can be like, oh, actually, this is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. The more we can get the help, the more we can support other people, you We're know, together. and the more we can be transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: definitely. So that's a.k.a. gentle podcasting.
3: OK, guys? <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> So thank you again um, for you know your testimony and all that you are doing, and to our audience who are tuning in this evening. Make sure you check out our goal guru. Um, for every Monday, she uh, she talks she speaks on a good word every week. Um, Monday motivational. Um, also, make sure you check out our uh, oh. Or IG, you can check it out on IG on Facebook Uncommon Women Podcast, um, as well as our upcoming third annual I Love Myself seminar. It's coming up soon in November, so if you want to purchase some tickets, you can uh, find them at uncommonwomen.event.com, or you can just uh, search uh, Third and I Love Myself, I Love Myself seminar on Eventbrite.com. As well as we have an upcoming boot camp coming up starting September 11th. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, um, you can email us at, at gmail.com. And also make sure you tune in next week for another amazing testimony. And again, stay uncommon. Bye. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you've been shagging up with us for a while and haven't subscribed to our channel, what are you waiting for? Please like and subscribe to Uncommon Woman so you won't miss another episode. And remember, don't let anything or anyone affect your peace. Good vibes.